What's up, all of you Ugnots and Jawas? Welcome back to a new episode of Mando Talk, a companion podcast for the hit Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. But not only that, this is a companion podcast for all new Star Wars content. So very, very soon, I'll be introducing this show as Mando Talk, an Ahsoka companion podcast. But I'll share more on that in just a minute. How's it going, everybody? I'm your host, Caleb Keller, and I've been enjoying this podcasting break that I've been on ever since The Mandalorian Season 3 wrapped, so it's been a while since we've checked in on each other. I hope you're doing very, very, very well. Today, Disney Gallery The Making of the Mandalorian Season 3 dropped on Disney+, Plus, so it's a requirement for me to release a podcast episode covering it, right? But also, I'm going to end this episode by sharing my opinions on the last month and a half of big Star Wars news, so stay tuned for that. But before we begin the content of this podcast episode, I do want to do some housekeeping and share some things to do and updates for the podcast as we gear up for Ahsoka. So I know we're anxious to get into the content, so bear with me. I'll try to do this as quick as I can. Lucasfilm and Disney have announced that Ahsoka will begin streaming with its premiere episode on August 23rd, so you can officially expect this podcast to be back full-time on Thursday. Thursdays for eight weeks straight beginning the week of the premiere as I'll cover every episode that comes out with a breakdown and an overall spoiler discussion. Leading up to that Ahsoka release date, my plan is to release podcasts on a need-to-do basis, meaning if there is an Ahsoka trailer that drops, or we get some juicy Ahsoka news, or first-look images, and so on, basically anything that's substantial to the experience of Ahsoka releasing, I'll release a podcast episode just as quickly as I can covering it, meaning it could be any day of the week, like this podcast. Disney Gallery dropped, I'm recording it. It dropped on a Wednesday. I'm able to record it on Wednesday, so it's coming out on a Wednesday. So that's kind of the idea of it. So the best thing to do to ensure you know when I drop a new podcast episode leading up to Ahsoka is two things. One, make sure the notifications are turned on for a new episode release wherever you are listening, whether that be Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or any podcast platform. And two, follow the show on Twitter at MandoTalk, and I'll post updates and links there. Last thing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube for additional Star Wars content, and follow me on TikTok at MandoTalk for even more Star Wars fun. And another plug, because why not? I'm just kind of thinking about it. I'm also on TikTok at CasualGeek.com clips talking about other geek things but not restricting myself to star wars so for example right now secret invasion a marvel series is releasing on disney plus so i did a tiktok about that a couple days back i'll probably do one today because there's a new episode for that today also superman and lois have been cast in james Gunn's dc i did a tiktok on that so if you love hearing my opinions and you want to hear my opinions on other geek things that I'm sure you love too, check me out on TikTok at Casual Geek Clips for that. All right. I tried to get through that as fast as I could. That is all the announcements, updates, and plugs. So let's get into why you are all really here. And let's start by talking about the making of 
The Mandalorian Season 3. So I watched it. It's about 59 minutes. I thought it was really solid. I don't think it's like super mind-blowing. It doesn't give you anything substantial. I do feel like probably Season 1's making of and Season 2's making of were probably better because Season 1 was just like this whole introduction of The Mandalorian, the volume. Season 2 was this fascination of how did you pull off getting all of these incredible characters and actors and actresses back in the franchise and Luke Skywalker obviously but then season three didn't really have like those kind of big moments now obviously you've heard my thoughts on season three if you haven't and this is the first podcast you're listening to go back and listen to myself DJ Foster Zach Horvath we talk about the Mandalorian season three in full detail where you can hear my thoughts on it there but this season didn't really have like those big poppy moments you know what I'm saying so I feel like just naturally then that that means this Disney gallery for season three wasn't as strong but I still thought it was very solid so on the 59 minutes, I took notes. I got all these big takeaways that I'm gonna that I'm gonna run through with you, and then we'll get to our last thing for this podcast episode, and that's me sharing opinions on the past month, month and a half of Star Wars news. So, first big takeaway that I have with Disney Gallery: John Favreau makes it known that Kathleen Kennedy's most vital role in this Mandalorian space has been bringing incredible creators on board to work on the Mandalorian, including. Rick Famuyiwa, Bryce Dallas Howard, Carl Weathers, Peter Ramsey, Lee Isaac Chung, and Rachel Morrison, who all each offered their own personal experiences and excitement for working on The Mandalorian to begin this special. Thought that was very interesting. I thought it was interesting that they kind of made this Kathleen Kennedy plug. That was really the only Kathleen Kennedy plug that we got, really the only one that we needed. But clearly she is important as far as bringing these creators on board. Next up, when Pirate King Gorian Shard spoke, the captions listed Carrie Jones as the one speaking, so I'm assuming that was the the body actor that was inside this suit, which made me chuckle as this character quickly became our own Davy Jones of the franchise. So I love the fact that they share last names. Hopefully those captions are correct because that was honestly like a top 3 moment top three reveal for me of this making of special next up Favreau speaks on the importance of the main character being in the helmet all the time and how that helps create the identity of the show so this point I felt it was necessary for me to type down in my notes here because it makes me think yeah they're moving on from the requirement of showing Pedro Pascal at all moving forward like we may see him a few times a couple times but I used to think early on in the Mandalorian that the show was going to be about slowly revealing that Pedro aka Din Djarin can show your face you can get over this helmet rule but clearly that's not the case I, I really think they're just moving on from that whole idea I don't know if that was ever an idea that they had maybe contractual obligations are requiring them to do so with Pedro having other things to work on and things like that who knows but regardless it does seem and I do get the sense that we're not going to get Pedro Pascal physically as much moving forward as we did in seasons one and two now that's another big takeaway that didn't make my notes but I'm thinking about it so I'm going to go ahead and say it Pedro Pascal is nowhere to be seen in this entire special. I know that's a massive deal to some of you out there. I know a lot of you are Pedro Pascal stands. He's the daddy of the internet, right? So I get it. We love Pedro Pascal. We want to see him. But I think this really just confirms that he wasn't on set a whole lot 
if any, for season three. He did voice work, obviously, so he was there for that. But as far as the physical presence for the scenes and things like that, we just didn't have a lot with it, if any. So that's probably why he wasn't in the special any anyways. Okay, next up. I love this quote from Rick Famuwaya. He says, Bo, in many respects this season, is also the Mandalorian. And that's been a topic of discussion in the past couple of weeks, Katie Sackhoff's been doing a lot of podcast interviews, going out, talking about her experience with Season 3 of The Mandalorian. A lot of people complained that Din Djarin took a backseat here. I personally loved it. I thought that Bo-Katan being the Mandalorian for this season was fantastic. That's my son back in the background trying to chime in on this podcast. Maybe one day you'll be able to be a host, buddy. Maybe one day you'll be able to be a host. (laughs) All right. If you hear him moving forward, I'm having to, you know, be a dad as well. He's just chilling over here in the side and his bouncer. But if he loses it, I'll obviously pause, come back, and, and continue. But anyway, let's keep going here. Katie Sackhoff reveals she relearned the character of Bo-Katan to know how the character would translate into live action, including character movements. I just thought this was a great look at the professionalism of Katie Sackhoff. It would be easy for her to say, nah, I already know this character. I don't need to do any studying. We're just going to go ahead and show up on set and do the best that I can and call it a day. Well, she clearly took the time, went back, watched Clone Wars, watched Rebels some more just to get an overall sense of the physical body movements, and she tried to translate that into live-action form as much as possible. So I love that. We also got Doug Chang and Andrew Jones speaking on bringing the planet Mandalore to live action. I thought all of that was absolutely phenomenal. Then we got Jason Mac. I'm probably going to butcher some names here, folks. Jason Mackan and Phil Tippett worked in modeling for the season, which is always music to Star Wars fans' ears because Phil Tippett was an original collaborator with George Lucas during the original trilogy. Next up, the crew begins talking about bringing the mythosaur into canon officially this season and while John Favreau is speaking there is concept art shown of Bo-Katan swimming past it and it's looking right at Bo with red eyes again probably this is probably my second favorite moment of this entire special seeing that concept art with that mythosaur with those red eyes like I got chills throughout my body just seeing that image and I love the concept art, I think a little more than the actual show's shot itself. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I loved the show shot for sure. But man, that Mythosaur with those red eyes, that was that was something to see. And I'm so glad that they released that. Next up, listening to John and Dave speak on the Mythosaur was really fascinating and how it served character purpose for Bo-Katan. And obviously, that was its main intent this season. I do think we're going to get the Mythosaur moving forward. But this season was all about, okay, how do we use this Mythosaur, this iconic, legendary, mythical thing to help Bo-Katan's story and push it and drive it further. And I love the fact that they took the time to explain that. Next up, great detail went into bringing Coruscant back to life by using the Opera House from Revenge of the Sith and using similar camera angles. Next up, Weathers. 
says the following, I wasn't steeped in Star Wars lore, but the material was so good. I love the fact that Carl Weathers took the time to say that. He's not a massive Star Wars fan, but he realizes and recognizes that Star Wars has so much to offer, and that's why he wanted to get into it and play in the sandbox, if you will. Next up, Filoni shares his initial reaction to John's idea of Baby Yoda, and I chuckled at this. Dave Filoni said, What? Why? Why would we do this? I'm going to be with you because Yoda is one of George's favorite characters and we cannot mess this up. I absolutely loved those quotes there from Dave Filoni. Yeah, it was a bold idea to for John Favreau to bring Baby Yoda in, but man, that bold idea turned into gold. Baby Yoda's still Still well-known across the world. It's just fascinating. Next up, the puppet of Grogu gets better with each season. Puppeteers who work with Grogu, we definitely need to give these name drops. And again, probably butcher some names here. Hiroshi Ikuchui, Jason Matthews, Trevor Hensley, and Mike Manziel all kind of spoke on their experience, what it takes to bring Grogu to life. That was fascinating. Next up, Filoni wanted the Jedi that saves Grogu to be someone from the Lucas family, Q. Ahmed Best. And obviously, this was a very emotional moment for all Star Wars fans as we saw Ahmed Best portray Jedi Keller and Beck yet again, because we've seen him obviously on YouTube before, but yet again here in a very, very substantial and meaningful way. To further and to kind of finalize the Ahmed Best portion of this special, in a very cool moment, Bryce Dallas Howard kind of fangirls for a second while hanging out with Ahmed Best because she was 16 years old when she last saw him on set of the prequels. I absolutely loved that. All right, next up. Emily Swallow, voice of the armor, but also she physically portrays the armor, again, as much as she possibly can, said the following. She revealed in her audition that she had to deliver the line, this is the way, and I guess she delivered it so well that that's who John and Dave decided to roll with, and I'm so glad that they made that decision. Next up, J.J. Dashnall was the stunt coordinator who brought the movement scene during Action to Life, so definitely shout out to J.J. All of that stunt work was great this past season. Next up, Josh Roth was the lead for creating the weapons for Din Djarin and several other characters. The blaster for Din was slightly changed, most notably with a longer barrel. Now, I... Did not notice that Din Djarin had a new blaster this season. That completely skipped my eye. I didn't see that at all, but that was fascinating to to see. I think he said it was like an inch and a half longer barrel and then maybe a couple of other adjustments. So I don't know if canonically it's a completely new weapon altogether or if it was just a behind-the-scenes decision of, eh, I think if we extended the barrel a little bit, it would look better but it's still the same blaster. I don't know the canon answer to that. Maybe I need to go back and watch season two or the book of Boba Fett to see if he lost his original blaster. Who knows? Okay, next up, Shauna Trippick was the lead costume designer who spoke on doing the different Mandalorian armor, and I really loved, obviously, we got the confirmation that one of the shield plates for the 
excuse me, the shoulder plates for one of the Mandalorians was in fact a droid head. I loved that. That was fascinating. Next up, Filoni reveals he designed Bo-Katan's helmet on a Southwest flight on a napkin inspired by the beak of a barn owl. Loved this. I'm sure this was probably revealed elsewhere somewhere back in the past when Filoni initially created Bo-Katan back in the Clone Wars, but I love the fact that we get it here, and I'm sure new fans like me, I'm not a new fan, but this information is new to fans like me across uh, the spectrum as far as people checking this special out, so I love this. Brendan Wayne is labeled as a Mandalorian performer who speaks of how he likes to put on the gauntlets and gloves because it puts him in the game time mindset. I love that. As an athlete, I can definitely relate to that when I was playing sports baseball basketball putting on the shoes that were required to wear for that sport was definitely something that got you in that mental state of mind so I can definitely relate to that and I'm assuming it doesn't say it in the special but Brendan Wayne is the guy that's in the suit when Din Djarin's just kind of walking around having conversations sitting down doing those specific things we'll see the performer later who's in the suit whenever it's high leveled intensity stunt work Next up, Emily Swallow and Katie Sackhoff speak on the importance of every little detail of Mandalorian armor acting. Loved hearing this tidbit. Next up, and this was pretty great. I was highly critical of Jack Black and Lizzo during The Mandalorian Season 3 coming out, and I still think I am, but... The background, the behind the scenes of these moments were definitely an overall highlight of this special as well. Jack Black says that the that Favreau claims he wrote the role of Captain Bombardier for him. Black likes to think his character is a boss on the battlefield, and he's got this following quote. Dude, his name is Bombardier. It's got bomb in the name. How can he just be a facilities planner? He's got a blaster. You just don't see it. And I laughed out loud during these moments. Moments. Like, this was phenomenal. I loved seeing Lizzo and Jack Black. They are both Star Wars nerds, and it was cool to see their reactions to all of the things surrounding them. And a couple of other interesting things about that specific Jack Black and Lizzo uh, episode. And come to think of it, they mentioned Christopher Lloyd, but they didn't talk to Christopher Lloyd any for this special. So I found that very interesting. I don't know why they made that decision. But anyway, next up for that specific episode, the droid bar scene on Plazir might be the largest set full of real practical droids in all of Star Wars. I found that interesting and also hard to believe, thinking back to A New Hope, Sandcrawler, and things like that. Uh, next up, Axe Woves was originally written to die in his first appearance in Season 2, but because Simon Cassianitis maybe that's how you say his last name, is wonderful. They wanted to keep him around, and I agree. He is wonderful. I'm so glad that Axe Woves is still alive. Simon is interviewed and says he was shocked to learn he would be back in such an epic way. Next up, I'm not sure the actual show does as great a job showing that Bo-Katan blames herself for the Night of a Thousand Tears because she accepted the Darksaber as a gift from Sabine Wren in Star Wars Rebels, which Katie was wise to bring up here in this behind the scenes. Now, I'm sure it's alluded to, I'm sure it's potentially even mentioned in the actual season three, but Katie saying it here, it just kind of like clicked better. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the fact that it's recency and it's just right here fresh 
fresh on my mind. All right, a few more things here. While listening to Favreau speak on how Din Djarin struggled with wielding the Darksaber and how Bo-Katan easily does, it's very clear, at least right now, that Din is not destined to become the Mandalore. I know that's something I always speculated. That's something I had always hoped, that eventually the Mandalorian Din Djarin was going to become the Mandalore of the entire uh culture of the entire place of the planet Mandalore, but it doesn't seem like it's the case. It's going to be Bo-Katan, and now Din Djarin's kind of off doing his own thing, but I'm sure he'll check in and help Bo-Katan and help the Mandalorian way when he needs to. Next up, Peter Clark and Rick Gallinson are name-dropped as working heavily on bringing IG-12 to life. I still love IG-12 to this day, and I love IG-12 even more now after checking out the special. Next up, Giancarlo Esposito has his moment of focus on his character, Moff Gideon, and while watching how he carries himself and speaks on set, I could easily see him becoming the next actor turned into director for this Mandoverse. I think that would be fascinating. Seems like he's got a very commanding presence on set, and I'm sure everyone in the room respects his opinions and takes, so I would be thrilled to see Giancarlo Esposito on a director's list for the Mandoverse, whether that be Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, if it ever comes back, any of these shows that they're doing in this, in this era, I would love to see it. I guess I need to include Skeleton Crew on that list as well. All right, next up, Latif Crowder, that's the other guy that I alluded to, is the other guy that's in the suit, is listed as a Mandalorian performer and speaks on the action required for the finale directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Again, reminder, he is the Mandalorian during heavy action sequences. So thank you, Latif. Thank you for bringing the heavy action sequences to life. They mentioned it in the special, and I'll repeat it here, top-tier stunt performer. Incredible work that this dude pulls off, and he does so much stuff outside of The Mandalorian. So thank you, Latif. If no one tells you, and I'm sure no one tells you enough, thank you so much, Latif Crowder. I'm sure you're you're listening totally, right? All right, next up, Katie Sackhoff tried to do as many of the action sequences that she could, most notably the knee slide in the finale. So Katie, again, just full-on dedication to the character, and I... Love it. I love the fact that she wants to be as hands-on and physically there as much as possible. All right, now three more points for Disney Gallery, the making of Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Giancarlo Esposito teases the possibility of a rise from the ashes. Okay, folks. Lucasfilm and Disney allowed that to be in there for a reason. I think they want us as fans to be thinking and processing the idea of how could Moff Gideon come back. And if he does come back, you better be okay with it because we're leaving the breadcrumbs. We're leaving the trail to let you know that that's definitely still a possibility. So they left that in there for a reason. I have a feeling now they're probably going to come back to Moff Gideon in some way. Now, easily, I still think there's a lot of flashback material that you could do with Moff Gideon. So easily, that would be a way to have Giancarlo Esposito come back. But you know, you never know in Star Wars. We can give a blanket sentence and it covers this idea of somehow Moff Gideon has returned. And I'm sure that that plot hole would be a problem for a lot of people. And I understand if it is a problem. I'm kind of there with you sometimes. I get it. 
But hopefully, if Moff Gideon does come back, they'll have a good substantial reason for it and also explanation for it. All right, next up, the last bit of the special is dedicated to speaking on the idea that Star Wars is all about family. Filoni and Favreau have incredible quotes here that I don't want to try to recreate because I won't do them justice, but I really loved it when John says, I don't know if that was what we set out to do, but storytelling isn't always about that. It's about what you discover and what comes out. That was a phenomenal quote by John Favreau. And it's a quote that you love to hear come from the creative mind behind the Mandalorian and behind the Mandoverse. So I loved that. And then final thing here, final takeaway, final big bullet point for Disney Gallery, the making of The Mandalorian Season 3 is this. The final words of the special are delivered by Filoni, where he says, it might feel like the ending of one adventure, and this is in regards to Din Djarin, but it's always the beginning of another now. So, clearly, The Mandalorian Season 4 is coming. It's definitely going to be in development soon. I'm sure the writer strike has impacted it in some way, so I'm sure it's going to be delayed a little bit. But I do know Favreau has written Season 4 in its entirety, so... We're rolling, folks. Din Djarin and Grogu still have some more stories, just kind of going in their own separate way for a little bit, and we'll kind of see how he gets brought back into the Mandalore story that Bo-Katan now kind of has for her own character. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that dynamic moving forward, because we know here in Season 3 it was really Bo-Katan's story, quoted by Rick Famuyiwa here in this special, and it'll be interesting to see as we kind of turn into the future of The Mandalorian how they juggle that. And I'm sure they will do it absolutely phenomenally. And I'm sure here at Mando Talk, I'll be here to cover it when The Mandalorian Season 4 does in fact come out. But of course, we got other great Star Wars things coming out in between now and then for us at Mando Talk to be covering. And including in that is all of this news that's come out in the past month, month and a half, that's all worthy of discussion and that all lends itself to being new Star Wars content. So us being a companion podcast to Star Wars content that's releasing, let's discuss. So some of this will date back quite a ways. Like I said, a month and a half. If you're an avid Star Wars podcast listener, you've probably heard other opinions and takes on this. Maybe some that are similar to mine, maybe some that are different. So Maybe some old news here. Some are more recent, but let's let's dive in. Let's dive in. First one, I've already mentioned it up at the top. Ahsoka sets a release date for August 23rd. For me, I feel like that's a great release date. It's given some extra gap in between The Mandalorian and Ahsoka for everyone to kind of reset. By the end of August, school's back in session. Everyone's kind of back in their normal routine of on a Wednesday night, we're going to watch the new Star Wars series that's coming out. So I think that's a great decision to have it release on August 23rd, and it should be a lot of fun when that starts rolling out. All right, next, James Mangold is aiming to begin writing his Star Wars film in the fall. Now, that's exciting. His film is all about kind of like the Ten Commandments of the Force. He's been quoted saying that. It's kind of a story of how did the Force come to be? How did they discover it? How did the Jedi and Sith come to be? Like, what's going on? It's really like a complete separation from lore 
and other canon things that have been set up. He's trying to get so far away from that stuff to where there's no restrictions. And as far as a creative decision for James Mangold, that's probably best. He probably doesn't have to want to follow rules and things like that. Now, I'm sure I know. I know as a Star Wars fan and you as a Star Wars fan, we know how the Force works. Even though Han Solo and Han Solo, Han Solo says that's not how the Force works. Like we get it, we know it, but I'm sure James Mangold's got a creative mind. He's trying to come up with something maybe different from what we expect, and hopefully it lands well. But we'll we'll definitely see, and, and I'm hopeful. Of course, James Mangold's got a Lucasfilm movie coming out this week, actually, with Indiana Jones Five: Dial of Destiny. I'll be checking that out. So I'm sure my opinions on his Star Wars movie coming up are going to be impacted by how much I like or dislike. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but we'll definitely see. All right, next up, Star Wars Outlaws was announced with a cinematic trailer and a 10-minute footage of gameplay. Now, this video game promises to be the first open-world video game for Star Wars that all of us have been pleading for for so long. For so long, we've wanted an open-world Star Wars game, and it looks like we are getting it. All of it looks fantastic. I love the layout. I love the gameplay. I love some of the action shots that we've seen in the cinematic. I love the potential like progression of story that I saw in the gameplay footage. I loved all of it. And yes, I love the fact that we're getting a established, not established like to the franchise, but we're getting a character that's going to be then established into the canon to where we could potentially, excuse me, where we could potentially see more story from this character. But it does bum me out and don't come at me for this. Again, I love the fact that we're getting this character as the lead and that all of us are going to play with her and we're all going to have fun with her. But I did just always have it in the back of my mind that the first first open world Star Wars game was going to allow us to create our own characters to where I could put myself in the Star Wars galaxy. I had always envisioned myself being this outlaw western mandalorian kind of like how din Djarin was in the first two episodes of the mandalorian in season one i always kind of pictured creating a mandalorian rugged maybe even a little old star wars character i don't even know what name i would call this character but just rugged mandalorian armor walking around full-on trying to make this open world game as much of a western as possible that was always my back of my mind envision and creative mind kind of working on what i would want out of an open world star wars game but that's not what we're getting so i just have to accept that and that's fine again i'm sure i will have so much fun with this new character and with this game that they're giving us but that is just one thing that if you're going to be truly open world it would have been nice for it to be just like full on you create this game the way you want to do it but you know we'll see we'll see i'm not a gaming expert I don't know how all that stuff works. I'm just a Star Wars nerd. I just want to put myself in Star Wars as much as possible. So there's that. I'm very excited for Star Wars Outlaws, though. Next up, Lucasfilm announced three movie release dates. And the those are the following. May 22nd of 2026, 
December 18th of 2026 and December 17th of 2027. Now, I will say the May 22nd of 2026 lends itself to be the new Jedi Order movie led by Daisy Ridley's Rey. The December 18th, 2026 movie lends itself to be the Mandoverse movie directed by Dave Filoni. And the December 17th, 2027 movie, it's kind of up in the air. Like it could be James Mangold's origination of the Jedi and of the Force and of the Sith. It could be James Mangold's movie. Or, don't forget, Taika Waititi. He still has a Star Wars movie. They've still talked about how that's still an ongoing thing. So it could definitely still be that as well. Because 2027, we're a ways away from that. That's four years. Taika or James Mangold could have their movie ready to go by then. So just something to keep in mind there. But I will say this, obviously it's exciting, it's so, so, so exciting that we're getting three Star Wars movies and we've got these release dates, but quite frankly, release dates don't do it for me anymore. Release dates have been announced, they get pushed, they get cancelled, projects get scrapped, all of it is a recycling, reprocessing, over and over and over and over again cycle. And I don't know if all these dates are actually going to make it. And if they do, fantastic. It would be great. But probability-wise and things that we've gotten from the past tend to lend themselves to make you think at least one of them is going to get canceled or moved substantially or something along those lines. But I'm going to remain optimistic about it in hopes that these three dates stick. Now... One other thing I want to mention, Kathleen Kennedy, and I love Kathleen Kennedy. I'm so thankful for everything that she has done in the past for this Star Wars franchise, dating all the way back to the originals as far as her work with George, even with Indiana Jones, with Spielberg, with all of these incredible people that have basically formed my childhood with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. She is a phenomenal producer. She's fantastic. She is a Hollywood legend, but... Recently, she said that Star Wars was going to look at the James Bond franchise and rethink how they release movies to every three or four years. That was like, I don't know, two months ago or maybe a month ago. And then we get this announcement that we're getting three movies in a year and a half. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And this is one of those examples, again, I'm so thankful for Kathleen Kennedy, but this is one of those examples where I wish you just wouldn't say anything. Just don't talk. You don't have to go on interviews and say, oh, we're looking at James Bond to help us determine to release movies every three to four years. Don't say anything. Don't talk. Don't talk about movies until you know for a fact what you're going to do because it just gets all of these ideas and past traumas <laughs> regarding these release dates. It puts it all back in the minds of all of us as fans. So just don't talk about it. It's just crazy the announcements and the back and forward and all this stuff that we continue to do with Star Wars. I don't get it. And yes, overall, for the casual viewer, for the non-diehards like me and you, it is hurting the brand a little bit. 
We got to get this together. We got to make sure we've got a clear vision, clear focus. We got these release dates. Let's hit them. Let's stick to them. And if we're going to do three movies in a year and a half, come out and say that. But don't come out and say that we're going to do a release of a movie every three to four years and then two, three, four weeks later come back and say, nope, we're doing something completely different. We don't know what to expect. That's why we don't know if these release dates are even going to land or not. We don't know if those movies that you've announced at Celebration are going to land or not. I have absolute confidence in the Ray movie being made, and I have confidence in the Mandoverse movie being made. But quite frankly, I'm 50-50 on the James Mangold movie being made. That's just how it goes. We'll see. I would love to see the James Mangold movie get made. But anyway, I'm getting a little heated on this. Again, love Kathleen Kennedy. I'm so thankful for you. Thankful for her. But we've got to get this together. I, we've got to get this together. We've got to get this rolling in the right direction as we make a move back into the movie theater. But anyway, enough on that. Let's move on to the next thing. Andor Season 2 continues development even though Tony Gilroy is not on set due to the writer's strike. So, I think it was May 1st the writer's strike began. Tony Gilroy quit working on Andor Season 2 because he's part of the writer's guild that's striking So, again, this does make me a little concerned. Tony Gilroy was the guy. He was the dude that made season one the way it was. He's why Andor was not just a great Star Wars story, but it was critically just a good television story. Literally everyone was talking about it that that's not a Star Wars fan, like your critics, like the people that just watch good television that don't watch properties like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, or anything like that. Andor was just highly ranked across the board. Now, I know its numbers were lower compared to Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and things like that. But as far as quality content, it was great. So, Tony Gilroy, he's the guy. It does make me concerned that he's not on Season 2 while they're shooting. We got some leaks. We got images. I saw these from Bespin Bulletin. We see, like, Dedra on set. We see the dude from Game of Thrones on set. Like, we see all of these ISB officers that we saw in Season 1 on set. It's shooting probably as I'm speaking right now, but Tony Gilroy's not there. And I get it, he's already written it, but just like we just talked about with Jon Favreau, things change as the story progresses. Things change. It's ever-moving. So just because it's on the script doesn't mean once you shoot it, it looks good. Or it plays good. So that's where we need Tony Gilroy there to say, ooh, maybe that doesn't work, let's do this instead. Again, let's remain optimistic. I trust whoever's on set. Let's let's make sure we get the right story. But it just it just makes me nervous. It just makes me nervous. But I'm sure Andor season two is gonna be phenomenal because probably Tony Gilroy's script alone is good enough to where it's gonna be solid, good, great, regardless of if he's there or not at that point. All right, next up, The Acolyte wrapped filming in May. There isn't much to add to that one other than cool, great, exciting that that The Acolyte is finished with shooting. Now we're into the post-development stage where we're doing edits, making it look good, uh, trimming the edges, if you will, making sure it looks sharp, neat, great, ready to release on Disney+. Plus. We'll see when it comes out. And then last news piece, new Ahsoka footage is coming this weekend, according to Bestman Bulletin and a lot of Star Wars news outlets. So what that means then, 
I said it earlier at the beginning of the podcast, if we do in fact get a new trailer or new footage for Ahsoka, remember, Mando Talk, an Ahsoka companion podcast, baby, is going to release on a need-to-do basis. So I'm sure I'll do a breakdown discussion of the trailer, of the footage, if we do in fact get it. So stay tuned for that. But I do hope... I do hope that in this new footage, we finally get to see Lars Mikkelsen as Grand Admiral Thrawn in high quality. I know we've seen the leak from Star Wars Celebration. If you haven't seen the leak, don't go looking for it. Wait to see Thrawn the way that the creators intended you to see Thrawn. But it's exciting that we're getting new footage. I just hope that we get Thrawn in it. So that way, everybody is on the same level playing field heading into the Ahsoka series. And we've all seen that shot of Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn. All right, that does it for this episode of Mando Talk. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure, again, you subscribe, you follow, you do all those things on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it, wherever you're at. Click the bell, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, and then make sure if you want to have more fun with me, follow me on Twitter and TikTok at MandoTalk on both of those. And if you want my takes outside of Star Wars, again, follow me on TikTok at Casual Geek Clips. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Again, I appreciate all of you. You've been kind of taking a break with me. And thank you so much for riding with me. It's been such a great break. I feel refreshed as we head into Ahsoka, so ready to deliver great quality spoiler discussions, breakdowns, and just good Ahsoka content overall as we head into that series. I'm ready to go, and hopefully you'll be ready to go and continue to get ready to go with me with these random podcast episodes that pop up here and there with those substantial Ahsoka news pieces and then make sure you're ready August 23rd Ahsoka comes out which means Mando Talk comes back with weekly podcast episodes every Thursday while Ahsoka is releasing thank you so much love all of you and as always we have spoken